Hello all my nieces and nephews and welcome to Auntie Jojo's Library. My library is open to all listeners but it was specifically created for my seven wonderful nieces and nephews. Auntie Jojo has a very special guest in the library this episode. Uncle Fletcher's cat Morwenna is joining us for the readings of chapters one through four of Little Women. Because this is Yaya's favorite book and July is Yaya's birthday month, we will be reading chapters from Little Women every Wednesday. Let's get started. Chapter 1, Presents for Marmy. It won't be Christmas without any presents, grumbled Joe. Meg sighed. It's awful being poor. Little Amy sniffled. It's not fair that some girls have lots of nice things and others have nothing. We've got father and mother and each other, Beth said happily from her corner. They each thought of father far away in the fighting. Meg said, Mother knows it will be a hard winter. She thinks we should not spend money on pleasures when the men suffer in the army. We each have a dollar and that won't help the army much. I would like to buy a new book said Joe, who loved to read. Beth said with a quiet sigh, I plan to buy new music. I will buy a nice box of drawing pencils, Amy said. Mother didn't say we couldn't spend our own money. We work hard for it, said Joe. They each agreed that they worked hard with Meg teaching, Joe taking care of, a f- of fussy old Aunt March, Beth keeping the house tidy and Amy going to school with the girls who laughed at her for being poor. Margaret was 16, very pretty and a bit vain. 15-year-old Joe was tall and thin. Beth was 13 and shy. She seemed happy to live in a world of her own. Amy was pretty with blue eyes and yellow hair. She always carried herself like a young lady. When the clock struck six, Beth put a pair of slippers by the fireplace to warm. The girls knew their mother was coming, and they all cheered up. Joe held the slippers nearer to the fire. These are old, and Marmy needs a new pair, Joe said. Beth said, why don't each of us get Marmy something for Christmas and nothing for ourselves? Everyone agreed. They decided to surprise her. They would shop the next afternoon. I shall get her a nice pair of gloves, Meg said. The best shoes, cried Joe. Some handkerchiefs, said Beth. And a little bottle of cologne, added Amy. While they waited, they spent time practicing their annual Christmas play. When they were done, Beth said, I don't see how you can write such wonderful things, Joe. As they laughed together, a cheery voice said, Glad to find you so happy, my girls. The girls welcomed their mother, who they thought was the most splendid mother in the world. As she asked about each of them, they hurried around her to make her more comfortable. Miss March said, I have a treat for you after supper. Beth clapped her hands and Joe tossed up her napkin, shouting, A letter from father! They hurried through their dinner. Then their mother read the letter. At the end, father gave his love and a kiss to each. I think of them every day and pray for them at night. I know they will remember everything I said to them and they will be loving children to you. Work hard and be good girls so that when I come back, I may be prouder than ever of my little women. They each cried and promised to not be so selfish. Then they sat and sewed without complaining at all. 
At nine, they stopped and sang as usual before going to bed. Beth knew how to softly touch the yellow keys of the old piano and make it sound good. They never grew too old for their singing time every night. Chapter 2 A Merry Christmas Joe woke up Christmas morning and was disappointed at first that there were no stockings full of goodies. Then she remembered her mother's promise. Under the pillow was a little red-covered book, Pilgrim's Progress. Each girl woke up with the book with a different color cover under their pillow. When they ran downstairs to thank their mother, they found Hannah, who lived there since Meg was born. Some poor person came begging, and your ma went to help, Megan said. Everyone put their gifts for their mother into a basket. They heard the front door open and close, and they hid the basket and hurried to the breakfast table. Merry Christmas, Marmy. Thank you for our books, they cried. Merry Christmas, daughters. I want to tell you about the poor woman nearby with a newborn baby. Six children crowded into one bed to stay warm. There is nothing to eat. Will you give them your breakfast as a Christmas gift? Everyone wanted to help carry the food to the children. They soon were in a bare and miserable room with broken windows and no fire. The sick mother and hungry children smiled at the girls. You are angels, the woman cried. Quickly, they made a fire, fixed the broken windows with old hats, and fed the family as if they were hungry birds. When they returned home, they shouted, Three cheers for Marmy, and set their mother in a seat of honor. She was surprised as they gave her their gifts. Then they presented their play. Afterward, Hannah appeared and invited them to go to supper. When they saw the table, they were amazed. There was ice cream, cake, fruit, and French candies. In the middle of the table were four bouquets of flowers. Miss March said, Oh, Mr. Lawrence sent it. Old Mr. Lawrence sent it. The Lawrence boy's grandfather from next door. We don't even know him, Meg said. Their mother explained. Hannah told one of, of his servants about what you did with your breakfast. He sent a note saying he wanted to send these to you in honor of the day. Someday they hoped to get to know the old man who lived next door. Chapter 3, The Lawrence Boys A few days later, Meg ran upstairs and waved a piece of paper at Joe. It's an invitation from Mr. Gardner for you and me to go to a dance on the New Year's Eve, Meg shouted. They talked and argued about clothes for the party. Meg worried that their dresses weren't nice enough. The day of the party, Joe burned Meg's hair with, a cur with curling papers, but finally they were ready to go. Have a good time, Miss March called. Miss Gardner greeted them kindly. Meg felt comfortable with Miss Gardner's daughters, but Joe stood with her back against the wall, feeling out the place. She slipped behind some curtains to watch the party, but another shy person had chosen to do the same had chosen the same place to hide. She found herself face to face with the Lawrence boy. Oh dear, Joe stammered. The boy laughed. He admitted that he hid because he didn't know he didn't know many people. Joe said it was the same reason she hid. She thanked him for the Christmas surprise from his grandfather. My name is Joe, she said. I'm Lori, he said. Lori told Joe about the time in school, about his time in school far away, and how they went on walking trips around Switzerland with their teachers. 
Oh, said Joe, did you go to Paris? Last winter, Lori said. In French, he asked, who is the young lady in the pretty slippers? Joe said, it's my sister Margaret. Do you think she is pretty? Yes, said Lori. She dances like a lady. Joe and Lori watched the party watched the party and talked until they felt like old friends. She liked him and remembered how he looked so she could tell her sisters. Curly black hair, brown skin, big black eyes, handsome nose, fine teeth, taller than I, polite for a boy and happy. I wonder how old he is, Joe thought. She asked and he said that he would be 16 the next month. Meg came in and motioned, motioned to Joe to follow her. Joe found her sitting on a sofa holding her foot. I've sprained my ankle. I can hardly stand, Meg said. I knew you'd hurt your feet in those silly shoes, Joe said. I'm sorry, but you'll have to get a carriage ride home. Meg shook her head. It'll cost too much. Go to dinner, but don't say anything about me. After dinner, Lori appeared with a plate of ice and a cup of coffee. May I take this to your sister, he asked. Joe took him to where Meg waited, and they all had a nice time eating chocolates and playing a quiet game until it was time to go home. Lori offered his grandfather's carriage. It began to rain as they rolled away. I had a wonderful time, Joe told Meg. I did too until I hurt myself. Annie Moffat invited me to spend a week with her and even go to the opera, Meg said. She told Joe about the man she danced with and got angry at Joe when she said, her and Lori had been laughing at the man's dancing. When they returned home, Amy and Beth begged to hear about the party. Joe gave them the candy she had saved for them. I feel like a fine lady coming home in a carriage, Meg said. Joe added, I don't believe fine young ladies enjoy themselves more than we do. In spite of our burnt hair, old gowns, old one glove apiece, and tight slippers that sprang our ankles. Chapter 4, Being Neighborly Since the party, Joe had wanted to get to know the Lawrence boy. As she swept the snow one day, she saw the top of his head in a window. She tossed a handful of snow at it. Are you sick? She called out. Lori opened the window a little. I've had a bad cold and been shut up all week. Will you come visit, please? Joe promised to come if her mother would let her. Lori was full of excitement as he ran around and tidied his room. Soon he heard a servant announcing a young lady at the door. Joe walked into the room with a dish of sweet desserts and Uncle Fletcher's kitten. Lori laughed at the kitten. He asked about Joe's sister. When I'm alone up here, sometimes I look at your house and you seem to be having such a good time. I haven't gotten a mother, you know. Joe felt sorry for him. You can come over and see us. Mother is wonderful, and Beth will sing to you. Amy would dance. Meg and I would make you laugh. They talked about books, and Joe told him stories of her Aunt March that made him laugh. Lori left her for a moment, and Joe stared at Mr. Lawrence's portrait. He seems grim, but he's got kind eyes, Joe said to the room. I shouldn't be afraid. He isn't, a, he isn't as handsome as my grandfather, but I like him. Thank you, a rough voice said. Joe saw to her horror that old Mr. Lawrence had entered the room. She blushed and saw that his eyes were even kinder than in the portrait. But in a gruff voice, he said, So you're not afraid of me? Not much, sir, said Joe. And you like me? 
Yes, I do, sir, she said. He laughed. If you'd like to come downstairs to tea, you're welcome, he said. Joe agreed and wondered what Meg would say about this. She and Lori followed him into a great drawing room. He stood by a grand piano. Do you play? Joe asked Lori. Sometimes, he said. Please let me hear so I can tell Beth. He played very well, and Joe wished Beth could hear him. When she praised him, his grandfather stood up quickly, shook her hand, and left. Did I say something wrong, she asked. Lori said, he doesn't like to hear me play. As she left, she promised to come again. After she told everyone at home of her adventures, they all wanted to go visit. Why doesn't he like Lori to play the piano, mother? Joe asked. I think it was because Lori's father ran away and married an Italian lady who was a musician. They died when Lori was young and his grandfather brought him home. He is also afraid Lori will want to be a musician like his mother. When Joe asked her mother if Lori could come see them, she agreed that he could. Then a new friendship between the Marches and the Lawrences soon grew. After they got used to Mr. Lawrence, they had wonderful times together doing plays, going on sleigh rides, and even having a few parties at a great house, at the great house. Meg walked through the indoor garden whenever she wanted to, while Joe enjoyed the new library. Amy copied pictures, and Lori played Lord of the Manor. Beth longed to see the piano. She went once with Joe, but old Mr. Lawrence frightened her with his loud voice, so she ran away and promised never to go back. During one of Mr. Lawrence's visits to the March house, he told stories about music, and soon Beth crept nearer. He talked about how Lori did not work on his music. I'm glad of it, but the piano suffers from not being used. Wouldn't some of you girls like to come and practice on it, he asked. Beth moved a step forward. They wouldn't even have to talk to anyone. Just come and play, he continued. I am usually in my study on the other side of the house. Then Beth slipped her hand into his and told him how much she loved music. She blushed and gave his hand a thankful squeeze. The next day, after she saw the Lawrences leave their house, she snuck into the house and to the room where the beautiful piano stood. With fingers that trembled, Beth finally touched the great piano and soon forgot her fear. She stayed until Hannah came to take her home for dinner. Beth smiled at everyone instead of eating. After that, she went nearly every day. She never knew that Mr. Lawrence often opened his study door to listen. Mother, Beth said a few weeks later, I'm going to make Mr. Lawrence a pair of slippers. He is so kind to me. Beth worked hard on the slippers. With Lori's help, they snuck, they snuck them into Mr. Lawrence's table one morning. It was almost two days before anything happened. Then a letter came for Beth. Look, he sent you, Amy began, but Joe stopped her until Beth came into the house. In the parlor sat a little piano. For me? Beth gasped, holding on to Joe. They begged her to read the letter, but she said, Read it, Joe. I'm too excited. Joe read, I've never had slippers like this, never had slippers that I liked better. I know you will allow the old gentleman to send you something that once belonged to the grandmother he lost, your grateful friend, James Lawrence. Beth tried the pretty piano. Everyone said it was the most beautiful piano they ever heard. You should go thank him, Joe said, knowing Beth would not do such a thing. But Beth amazed them all by standing up and saying, yes, I will do it now. They would have been even more amazed if they had seen her go to the study, throw her arms around him, and kiss him. He walked her home, shook her hand, and touched his hat as he left. When the girls saw Joe, 
When the girl saw, Joe began to dance. Amy nearly fell out of the window in surprise, and Meg said, I do believe the world is coming to an end. Thank you all so much for joining me in my library for the reading of chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 from the Calico Illustrated Classics Little Women. We will be reading chapters from this story every Wednesday the month of July. We will have a special story release in honor of Grandpa Tim's birthday on Saturday, July 17th. If you have story suggestions, you can email them to me at auntiejojoslibrary at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at auntiejojoslibrary. Or you can send me a voicemail message on whatever app you're listening to this podcast on. I'm looking forward to sharing more stories with you.